Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the uh, October uh, 25th Fire Station Building Committee meeting. I have a little script I'm going to read real quick. Uh, pursuant to Chapter 2 of the Acts of 2023, an act relative to the extending certain COVID-19 measures, this meeting will be conducted via remote participation. No in-person attendance by members of the public will be permitted. Uh, the order allows the fire station building committee to meet entirely remotely so long as reasonable public access is afforded so that the public can follow along with deliberations. All members of the fire station building committee uh, are allowed to and encouraged to participate remotely. Members of the public who wish to live stream of this meeting may do so by going to Northboro Remote Meetings on YouTube via the list on the agenda, link on the agenda. This meeting will not feature public comment. Each vote taken this evening will be conducted by roll call. I'm going to go ahead and uh, confirm everyone's connectivity. Let's start with uh, in the order I see him. So, Captain Brillhart. Present. Uh, Mitch Cohen. I'm here. Hello. Guy Charpentier. Present. Dominic. Here. Janet. Here. John. Here. Mark. Here. Amy. Here. John. Here. Uh, John Rappa. Here. There you go. Diana? Here. Todd? Tom? Here. Sorry. Dep Deputy? Here. There we go. And I'm also here, and I call this meeting to order. Um, first item on the agenda is to review and approve the minutes from the October 17th public input session. May I hear a motion? Make a motion to uh, approve the meeting minutes as presented. Do I have a second? No. Motion's been made and seconded. All those in favor, roll call vote. Dan? Welcome Aye. Sorry. You found your does. Mitch? Mitch? Aye. Scott? No. Go to John. John? Aye. Diana? Aye. I'm Tom? Aye. And I'm an aye as well. And the chief is an aye. So motion carries. Um, we're going to change the agenda a little bit tonight, the order. Um, everybody's got meetings to go to. So we're going to address the milestone schedule discussion, please. Thank you, Don. So since the last meeting, I uh, I spent some time reviewing the milestone schedule and uh, some concerns came to me uh, as it's currently drafted. I think it's a very compressed schedule. Uh, and this was done so the committee could uh, be able to present the project at the annual town meeting in April. So I took these concerns and I discussed them with uh, our owner's project manager. I discussed them with HKT, Scott Charpentier, John Thompson, and Deputy Espazi. And I believe that pushing uh, through with the timeline that is currently laid out, the final project that we produce will be not the quality that the town deserves. Uh, the others I met with came to the same conclusion. So therefore, I propose we adjust the time uh, with a target date for a special town meeting in September of 2024. And this will do several things for us. First of all, it's going to provide a cleaner timeline for meeting with uh, the town land use boards, the design review committee, uh, the planning board, the ZBA. Right now, it's very compressed. It could be very difficult to get the meetings in we want to. It's going to allow the committee to go to the September meeting with a much better plan, a much more finished plan. And most importantly, in my opinion, more accurate cost estimates. Uh, so I think that's great. It'll allow for the bidding of the project in fall 2024, which is already when it was scheduled to be bid. So we're not changing the bidding timeline. The bidding timeline stays the same. 
And finally, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but it allows the ballot initiative, ballot vote to occur in conjunction with the United States general election on November 5th, uh, the presidential election. So the turnout will be very big. I did call the town clerk to confirm that that was legal. He then said, I'll have to call you back, chief. He looked into it, called me back and said it is legal. So we're all, all set with that. Um, so I, I know I'm springing this on you guys, but it's something that's been bugging me. And I just said, I don't want to give a project to the town that it's not to what they deserve. I really think we need to give them something that we all work hard on and give them a good project with a, with a, a good solid cost estimate. Um, and it's not really going to affect a whole lot. So that's my pitch. Go ahead. Uh, Did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Madam Chair. So uh, to reiterate a little bit of what uh, uh, Chief Brenty outlined, uh, two of the concerns, um, one, obviously, the, the, the further down the design path we are when we go to town meeting, the more accurate and confident we are in the number, both the number that goes before town meeting, as well as the number that we get when we bid. Um, we can go to town meeting with the number uh, early in the design phase, but bidding environments change, um, material costs change, supply chain issues change. We're in a very dynamic world right now. Um, I'd like to be as close between a estimate, a uh, estimate approval and award those three critical components as possible. Uh, the other piece to the schedule that um, we deem to be clearly uh, needed in the last public input session was public input and allowing um, you know, adequate time for the design review uh, board, the, the planning board and the zoning board of appeals uh, to engage the public, um, have adequate comment and, and response and not have those boards or committees or the residents feel as if we're pushing it through to meet a deadline that um, in all reality is not necessary considering the design schedule is staying the same. We're just shifting a uh, uh, a milestone from early in the design to later. Um, everybody came to the same conclusion uh, when we discussed it, and um, I, I think I think it's what's best for the for the for the community. So I, I'm just echoing pretty much what Chief said. Madam Chair, um. so I I second both the Chiefs and Scott's comments because the boards have not been especially efficient in this town of late. And I think giving them more time to absorb a complex building design would be more helpful for us having a successful town meeting vote. So I, I'm certainly in favor of those, a, a more lenient schedule. Thank you. Madam, Madam Chair. Chair. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I agree completely. This is a, a, an excellent, excellent option. Um, you know, the the project can't be can't go forward until both town meeting and the ballot approve the project. Um, so, you know, aiming for a September or even October town meeting um, makes a lot of sense. It gives us some flexibility, the opportunity to take the input and to um, to, to include the input in the process um, won't feel rushed at the April town meeting. That was that was always going to be a very, very tight schedule. Um, and I, I agree, since we can't go out to bid until the, the bid specs are complete, the bid documents are complete anyway, um, 
this makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's a, a small added cost to the town for holding a special town meeting, um, well justified for a project of this size, size and scope. There uh, would be a cost associated with a special election if needed, but lining it up with a presidential election, boom, goes away. Um, I know Andy will have to do probably a little bit of extra work and we'll probably have to set that ballot question a little bit earlier than we would have if it was just going on to the annual election. But those are things I, I trust Andy will be able to give us the direction to uh, to handle that. So this is, this is good. Thank you. Anybody else? John? Um, I concur. I think getting it right is more important than, you know, rushing it. So I concur with that. I would like to add that I think it's important that as we tee this up to the public and even to the boards and committees, explaining why we need a new fire station is important. We're all kind of close to this, but I think, you know, a histogram in terms of, you know, where we came from the 1970s, where the town was, how the town and the department have evolved over time. I think that's important in a few slides uh, as we tee this up, because people say, well, what do you need another firehouse for? Just fix the roof and just blow out the side and be done with it. I think it's important to do that. Okay, thank you. Diana? I also agree with all that's been said. I think there's a lot of rationale uh, behind that. I was just curious. So is the final estimate, um, which will provide the value for the town meeting vote, is that based on 100% construction documents? Uh, Janet? I think it'll be pretty close, Diana. We had planned on an early September bid anyhow, so we were focused on that date. Now we may shift it two or three weeks. We have to we have to work with Colliers and John and Scott to fine tune the schedule, but that's our that was originally our plan anyhow. So I would say it's, you know, it's probably not a hundred. There is no hundred percent, but maybe 90, 95%, you know, that's what we get it in. So we'd have a little bit of time to make adjustments if we needed to. Yep. So the estimate would be 90%. And yeah, I think so. A I bit mean, before the maybe bid. even under, but yeah, it really far at the end. Yep. So great. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So I'm scared because no I never do this and have everyone agree with me. So I'm not quite sure what's going on with that. <laughs> I, uh, I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh. You spoke too soon, Chief. Yeah, he'll, <laughs> my captain will disagree with me. Go ahead, Cap. You spoke a little too soon. <laughs> I, I would be lying if i not a little disappointed not to go to the uh, April Springtown meeting and start the process. Obviously, we've been meeting on this thing since uh, 2017, not this group, but the group overall. So I'll just throw it out there. But I agree, we want to make sure we get it right and we want to make sure everybody's on board. So I'm okay with it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. I don't think it needs it a motion is. or anything because it's just, we're just, we just need uh, HKT and uh, Colliers to update the, um, the timeline, the milestone timeline. Okay. So, Madam Chair, Sean and I have to uh, sign out. We have a, uh, a meeting uh, coming up, so in uh, a live one. So we'll be uh, signing out now. Okay. All right. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Okay. That brings us to mechanical engineers' presentation. Okay, I'm going to um, share my screen, and I'm going to um, advance the slides as uh, Dom uh, from GGD uh, said. So, can you tell me that when you see the screen? We can see this. There it is. Yep. You're okay. up. Your PowerPoint's running. Okay, great. 
So um, obviously we're, you know, we had the schedule, we had to change the schedule, but we're going to be talking about the HVAC options, the, the initial discussion, um, and then we'll show you some concept development. We've already talked about the schedule. We'll talk a little bit about um, next steps, but this is your, will be the really first introduction to how we're uh, approaching the, the concept development after um, the HVAC, which is critical. So there you go, Dom, um, if you'd introduce yourself to those people who don't know you. So. Hi everyone, uh, Dom or Dominic Pinello, uh, Principal HVAC Engineer at GGD Consulting Engineers in Dartmouth. Um, glad to be here. Uh, look forward to presenting the HVAC uh, options and uh, working with you all on the project. Um, so with that said, go to the next slide. Uh, this is just kind of a, an agenda. Um, want to go over the goal of why we look at the uh, life cycle economic analysis, uh, the methods we use to do that, some of the options that we're proposing, uh, but we're certainly open ears if anyone's got any other suggestions. These are uh, some of the ones that we've designed on past projects. Um, also want to talk about the recent uh, Massachusetts code update um, and the executive order 594 that kind of prompted that change. Um, there's a lot of uh, exciting utility company incentives and potential federal tax credits that might have an impact on the decision-making process. And certainly, um, you know, if there's any uh, questions or discussions, that would be great. Next slide. So, the goal of the life cycle analysis is really to factor in the different cost factors of the HVAC system. There's your operating costs, which we determine or estimate from energy modeling. So we use the proposed building model from HKT um, and its configuration, enter that into computer program, uh, utilize the building occupancy usage, the different system operating characteristics, and we get an energy simulation um, that's going to inform our operating costs for the for all the different HAC options we study. Uh, we also look at the installation costs and the maintenance and any maintenance slash replacement costs. So it's really factoring in those three cost factors: operating, installation, and maintenance slash replacement costs over what we use is typically a 50 year study period. And in general, the system option that has the lowest overall operation, uh, life cycle cost is generally the one that is recommended. Next slide. So in order to determine the systems, we've got to make sure first off that they're code compliant systems. We can't you know, propose a system that will not comply with the code. And for the North Borough community, it's the Massachusetts stretch code. So the stretch code doesn't prohibit gas heating, but it really kind of penalizes it and incentivizes uh, electrified heating systems. Um, this is also the case with the utility companies. There will be no more incentives for any gas heating systems, even if they're high efficiency gas heating 
there will be no more incentives for gas heating. So Executive Order 594 really prompted the change in codes, and that's leading by example for public uh, municipalities, you know, try to decarbonize uh, the system and get away from fossil fuels. The benefits of heating with electric, it complies with this executive order. You would have a lower site EUI, which stands for energy use intensity, reduced site emissions. You don't have a boiler or gas-fired furnace. Um, there's multiple high efficiency electrified heating systems available. And what we've seen is the HVAC system uh, with heat pumps could be even less than what they were with gas-fired systems. And that's largely because a heat pump does dual function. It provides heating and cooling uh, through the same equipment. There are some cons of electric heating systems uh, at right, right now, and um, there might be higher operational costs because in general gas costs less than electric to run. However, that is a changing uh, factor as costs of gas uh, start to increase. Uh, electric will likely also increase, but um, what we're hearing is probably not to the same escalation factor. Uh, it does require some additional cost for larger generators <clears throat> because you're using electric for your heating, and the backup heating system could have potentially higher costs. So with that said, next slide. Um, all the different HVAC options, it's important that they're apples to apples. So what we wanted to do was at least present the proposed design criteria. And this is largely based upon uh, the international, the Massachusetts Energy Code. And what we would propose for is on a heating condition of five degrees of outdoor air, that we would be heating all spaces to 70 degrees and allow a user adjustment of plus minus two degrees. And then for the cooling system, we would design to on an outdoor day of 91 degrees dry bulb and 73 degrees wet bulb with wet bulb being a factor of humidity of outdoor humidity levels that the inside would be 75 degrees dry bulb plus or minus two degree set point and the relative humidity within the space would be 55% RH. So that's within what's called within the, the comfort zone, that condition. Hallways, corridors, entryways, restrooms, they'd be slightly higher. We're not typically providing the same level of air conditioning. Sometimes those are passively conditioned. So they would be slightly, but all that air is still dehumidified. And then the apparatus bay, general storage areas, vestibules, those are typically just heated and ventilated and main to 70 degrees dry bulb. So again, this is what all options would be studied under and it's really driven by the energy code. Um, also in the energy code is unoccupied temperature setback has to be provided for all options and all areas that don't have that 24 seven occupancy. So certainly if an area is fully occupied, it's gonna be maintained at the occupied temperatures. Next slide. So option one, this would be um, an air source to hydronic hot and chilled water heat pump plant. So there would be an outdoor air source 
chiller slash heater that um, generates hot water and chilled water that would be distributed to your air handling systems and fan coil units or chill beams to maintain the space heating and cooling requirements. Air handling units would largely be used for ventilation purposes. And then your additional heating and cooling that would be needed would be served by terminal hot water, chill water equipment. Um, we've identified the pros and cons. Uh, and the pros on these and why we're comfortable with all these options, they will provide a high degree of thermal, thermal comfort. Um, with this option, you don't need a bo separate boiler and chiller plant. You've got an air source heat pump that produces hot water and chill water. Uh, and again, the terminal units, they can provide heating or cooling. And it reduces refrigerant piping by using hot water and chill water systems. So a lot of, you know, sometimes often people don't want to run refrigerant piping throughout the building. Uh, refrigerant pipes have changed throughout the years. Uh, they're going to be recently, you know, changing again. Uh, everything's pretty much at R410A now. It's going to be changing to R32 soon. So that's a pro of the hot water, chill water systems. These are hydronic and you're using uh, simpler indoor terminal units. So that could have potentially reduced future maintenance and replacement costs. The cons, it will have a higher first cost than the next option, option two I'll talk about. And the maintenance is still within the occupied areas. You still will have to do filter changes and maintain the condensate drains. Um, and this is very common. Uh, for the other options as well. Uh, one of the things that the code has done is really push to separate ventilation, HVAC from your space heating and cooling loads. So when you have those space heating and cooling loads by fan coils, you will have those um, maintenance concern, regardless of whether it's a hot water, chill water system or a refrigeration-based system. Next slide. So option two is called an air source VRF, variable refrigerant flow. So you've got outdoor heat pump condensing units that utilize refrigerant to supply your indoor refrigerant-based fan coils. So instead of having the hot water and chill water distribute your heating and cooling, you're using a refrigerant. Um, it's pro. Because of that, you've got lower piping costs because you don't have four pipes, hot water supply and return, chill water supply and return. It's typically like a three to two pipe refrigerant system. So you have less costly piping. Uh, again, the pro, you don't have chiller and heaters. You have an air source uh, heat pump that's generating both your heating and cooling needs. And then your fan coil can do both heating and cooling. Uh, you have smaller ductwork because it's just sized for your ventilation needs. The cons, similar to the fan coils, you've got some units within the occupied zone, so you've got to maintain those filters. You've got um, condensate maintenance. And then 
you've got slightly more complex controls with this unit, with this system, because these VRF units uh, have their own standalone controls, whereas the fan coil units are really just could be a centralized BMS that's just controlling your fan and hot water, chill water valves. These units are have more complex controls. Um, and then you've got your refrigerant maintenance with this system. Next slide. Option three would be using a geothermal system, a closed loop geothermal system that could be paired with um, either one, either option one or option two. We've seen the more common approach to kind of use a geothermal with the option two, the VRF system, uh, but it could be done with either, and we've done both. Um, the benefits of the geothermal is it has the highest energy efficiency and the lowest energy use intensity. It has a reduced carbon footprint because of that. Um, another real big benefit is the low outdoor noise. Because you're using the ground, you don't have air source heat pumps uh, that are generating noise. You also have longer equipment life. Uh, because that's not exposed to the uh, outdoor air conditions. This has the largest utility incentives, and it would be the only option that has a potential federal tax credit, which I'll talk about next. Um, and as I mentioned, you could use it with the water source or a refrigerant VRF system. The real cons is an increased capital investment. Hopefully that could be offset by these incentives. It will require increased site to handle the well field. There will be some higher temperature costs and maintenance costs. Next slide. Um, with fire stations too, we also see it's important to consider some supplemental heating systems. These could be applied to any option. These would be, um, And depending upon which option, they, they would look a little bit different. So for the hot water-based system, we would generally provide hot water radiant panels on the office living area spaces. With a VRF electric system, we would tend to provide electric-based radiant panels. Um, these are why these are generally a good idea is that they provide backup heating, supplemental and in cases backup heating. So if the air source heat pump system failed, you've got a backup and you wouldn't be freezing uh, areas of the building. Now, are they absolutely 100% required? No, there's other ways you could uh, allow for that resiliency of your design. But you know, going in as a first option, we would recommend them be considered. Um, and then in the apparatus bay, what we've seen is radiant floor slab heating being used on a number of fire stations. Um, the benefit there is, again, it's a redundant system, but it's also an energy efficient system because when you've got radiant heating systems, you can tend to uh, operate the heating system at a lower temperature. So instead of trying to maintain maybe 65 degrees, 70 degrees, you could probably get away with 60 degrees because the heat is where the occupants are. So it could also be a energy efficient system. The cons for these systems are that they do have additional first costs. 
Um, and then if they're electric systems, they might have a high impact on the electric. Uh, so in that case, we recommend they are used only for backup duty. Next slide. Don, before you leave this slide, if I could, yep. uh, one of the things we, we also want is we want to heat the um, the front apron about 25 feet, 20 to 25 feet out. It's very difficult during heavy snowstorms for us to maintain that when we're running calls. And it keeps that front of the apron clean so we don't have to worry about it building up and the trucks coming through and getting big windrows in front. So that was uh, one of the other. We've seen that in several stations. And uh, I assume that would be related to the supplemental system. That's why I wanted to mention it. It, it would. And for like the energy modeling, we would not model that because that's not a building energy use. Um, and it's, you know, very difficult to determine when it would be used, okay. you know, um, and it wouldn't really have an impact. Like I said, it could be added to any of the other options that are selected. Okay. Um, so the sort, so we'll, we'll note that certainly and design it as required for the project. But in terms of the, uh, life cycle analysis, it, it probably wouldn't be factored in to the system selection, if that makes sense. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Great. Dominic, can you also add to the list the heated main walkway to the main entrance? We certainly will note that. And again, that wouldn't be part of the life cycle and energy modeling, but would certainly be described within the HVAC design. Next slide, please. So all these options, as I was mentioning, the code is really pushing for kind of separating the ventilation system from your additional space heating and cooling. And when we're designing ventilation systems, we use what's called DOAS, you might hear, and it's a DOAS. It's a dedicated outdoor air handling system, and that's designed to um, temper your ventilation. Um, it's a very efficient approach because it's going to incorporate energy recovery. So all that ventilation air is going to either be, depending upon the season, preheated or pre-cooled uh, by this energy recovery. What happens is that return air that we've spent good money to temper gets passed through the energy wheel. That energy media transfers that energy to the incoming outdoor air and then is heated in the heating season. Uh, pre-cooled in the summertime. And then from there, we provide any additional heating and cooling. Um, next slide. So that would this would be in all options, just how we achieve that heating and cooling would be dependent upon the system selected. Next slide. The all options would also, what we're proposing would have a building energy management system, a BMS. So that would control these um, control and monitor the HVAC systems uh, will allow for zone scheduling, occupied, unoccupied control, night setback control for certain areas that are occupied 24-7, could uh, be integrated with the lighting systems. Uh, and the goal of them is they really provide increased energy savings and could also um, prompt for preventive maintenance, such as when filters need to be changed, when fans need to be lubricated, uh, will prompt uh, the user. It will also be uh, web accessible. Uh, so these, you know, could be managed remotely. Next slide. Uh, potential HVAC incentives. 
uh, just a note, these are all kind of subject to change with how the um, utility companies change their uh, policies, but this is based upon the latest. Um, for option one and option two, there would be between 800 and $1,000 per ton of heating uh, incentive uh, for, the, for the project. Uh, for the geothermal, that gets increased to $4,500 per ton of heating. And also because of the passage of the 2022 IRA, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, tax code section 48E was revised to now allow for tax exempt municipalities to get a direct pay option tax credit in the range of 30 to 40% of the geothermal heat pump system costs. So it's a real game changer. Um, so just uh, again, I'm not throwing numbers with, you know, but just if this was a million dollar HVAC system, um, you know, that's potentially $300,000 uh, could be a federal tax credit or 400,000. It's probably closer to 30,000 because that additional 10% relates to domestic product and you can't claim it all on the total cost because it's the total cost of the HVAC system is not just product, it's product and labor. So you, you can't get it all, but it's probably somewhere, you know, in the range of, you know, 33% when you factor that in. Um, we've also included, you know, where we're coming with these, um, this information from, uh, if anyone's interested. Next slide. I think that's your end class slide. Great. So, you know, we're hoping, you know, we're not looking for, um, you know, any decisions on the system at this time. What we want, what we're looking for is kind of an okay to study these systems. And if there's any different ones that have, you'd like us to look at, we can, you know, review and comment on that. Dominic, um, are any of these systems similar to a chilled beam system? So the chilled beam would be option one. Okay, um, in another facility. On the previous in... slide. So, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a chill beam. You could use a fan coil with this okay. system. Okay. Um, another, another facility that I, I worked in um, had a lot of issues with those, especially overcoming the humidity um, because of the passive movement of the air overcoming the humidity, they had a lot of issues with that. Yeah, so as I li list in the pros, you could use different indoor style units, uh, fan coils, active chill beams. So if there was a, you know, no-no to not go with chill beams, we could study a fan coil system instead. Um, what we're showing here is that this is a, Ear source heat pump outside that generates hot and chill water, as opposed to option two, which is an outdoor air source heat pump that uses refrigerant. And the fan coil would be much more similar to what these VRF air handling units are, indoor air, 
fan coils are. So that'd probably be a, a, a truer comparison, actually, is to have the air source hydronic heat pump with fan coils. So, Dom, every fire chief I've spoken to recently who has either built a station or uh, is in the process of building a station or whatever has had nothing but problems getting the systems to balance properly. And, you know, uh, having issues with the, because of when the big overhead doors open, the apparatus space get freezing cold, it takes forever for the heat up. Or some of the dorm rooms are 90 and some of the dorm rooms are 60. Is that is that the system that we pick or is that the system design that causes that issue? Could be, could be both. Could okay. be a combination of both. Um, it, the other thing too is could be uh, the expectation of the design and the use of operable windows we've seen play into that as well. Okay. Yeah, and it's all, there's also issues with, and, and you had mentioned how we'll have the timing. Some places in depth, we were just talking about this the other day. Some places are 24 hour heated or, or conditioned and some aren't, and that caused a problem. I forget what department it was. I was causing problems with them because they couldn't control areas that they needed to control. That could be a, if if you had like if you over you know just had one you know just if you had one unit that was serving both those type of areas, some that were you know twenty four seven and others were, and the you know unit wasn't on, you know that certainly would be an issue. Okay. So what we would propose is to review that. Um, which identify which of the areas are 24 seven, which ones are, you know, seven to five, and then really select different units, probably on the ventilation side that, and maybe even group, you know, if we went with the VRF system, group those so that they're on different systems and they could be more accurate, accurately controlled for the occupancy. Thank you, Don. You're welcome. Any other questions? Comments. Uh, just just one on on that aspect of controlling is um, within the project will be a a large training room, public access meeting room, um, and that that the the use of that is not going to be on a perfect schedule. So somehow a way that that can be <clears throat> managed to be turned on turned off or overridden or something for that space. But it's also the emergency operations center, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one might want to be paired with like the lobby and public entry area so that, you know, when that, because we understand when that training is, there's also a public access component too, right? So those you might want to group on the same air handling unit. Uh, or if cost was an issue, the other thing we've done in the past is have own like VAV dampers, you know, so that those do, and then we could go with the, you know, control sequences to have a unit upright and, you know, a minimum setback condition that's going to be still sufficient to serve those public areas. Madam Chair. So, Dom, are there strategies that exceed the base stretch code requirements for the building shell that we could consider to reduce our overall heating and cooling loads? 
like triple glaze or increasing the insulation or et cetera? Or have you found any of those strategies that are, are real cost savers? Yes, but then it comes, there does come to a point of diminishing returns. Um, and then the other thing we've done and worked with HKT on past projects is, you know, while we're doing this energy model to primarily study the um, HVAC systems, once we've got a selected HVAC system, we still got that, we got that energy model as a tool. So if there was a question, you know, hey, if we went from triple glaze to like, you know, something less, you know, or a certain version of triple glaze and went to something less, what's the impact? We can assist with that as well. So you can factor in the building shell and how it we do. So, uh, yep. So one of our, our first set of questions to HKT is, you know, can you answer these questions? We ask, what's the glazing percentage? What's the plan for it? What's the R values of the roof, wall, your floor slab? So when we get that model, it's as accurate as possible. Okay. Great. And I just want to add to that, that there's a new energy code that we're all going to be dealing with um, that is um, might require some of those things some that you just mentioned, like the triple glaze or um, reduction in the amount of glass or more increased insulation. We are already heavy duty into those worlds anyhow, but there are even more things and the new energy required is going to take, our code is going to require a lot of coordination uh, with Dom and his group and the electrical guys to make this all work together on the project. So Amy, you want to comment on that at all? No, I think, yeah, okay. John? Madam Chair, a uh, question for Dom. So do you have a, an approximate idea of how long this analysis might take given the, the many project activities that are going on? This analysis, we typically, you know, like to get it done in the, the first stage of design, the schematic design front. Right. Is that four weeks, six weeks, you know, three months? What's, what's, what's your gut to tell you for a project this size? Um, yeah, typically four weeks um, from receiving the, the model. That's what we've kind of talked to HKT about. Okay. All right. Thanks. Um, it, you know, between these different models, I, I, I'm a big fan of geothermal, as, at least as a concept. I'm glad that's in the mix. Um, I know that there's, you know, increased upfront costs with that and the complexities with the site. So not every project can use geothermal. Um, with any of these, I'd suggest that uh, you have a discussion with Sean Thompson, who works for our DPW. He's in charge of uh, building maintenance for all the municipal buildings. Our senior center has a geothermal system. It's about 15 years old, so there may be substantial differences in design um, you know, for, for a building 15 years old, but he may have some, some experience pro or con there. So I might be overstepping, but I, I heard that that was the case. And my understanding is it, it's an open loop uh, geothermal, if I'm not mistaken. So, we'll, and that tends to have increased maintenance costs and increase sometimes trouble uh, because of that. So what we're proposing would be a closed loop. And I think the industry really has shifted that way uh, because of all the issues with the um, open loops. Um, and then the closed loops also have less permitting requirements because you're not open to 
any uh, aquifers, you're a closed piping system and you're running fluid within that piping system, it, there's much less permitting uh, required as well. But certainly, uh, yeah, this presentation should be shared with Sean, certainly for review and comment. Great, thank you. Else. Jenna, anything you wanted to add? No, I'm just saying, um, do, do you all feel comfortable with the systems? Is there anything, uh, Dom said, is there any other add? I guess we could talk to Sean and ask him that if there's something else that he has in mind or he's concerned about. But, you know, I think Dom is 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 good with these three uh, for right now. And, uh, we'll and I would probably, you know, based upon, um, Neil's input, like, you know, geared towards fan coils versus chill beams for option one. Okay. I, I, well, I've spoken to, to Sean and to Scott. We discussed this. And pretty much what Dom's presented is what we, I apologize for having a call, so it distracted me. Um, it's pretty much what we've talked about, but I do think it's important, uh, Dom, if you reach out and then you can get, uh, if you want to reach out to me later, I can give you. Uh, Sean's contact info and just have that conversation. Okay, certainly can do that. Okay. All right. All right. One last question. Yeah. Have you had problems with humidity levels in these tighter buildings and that the makeup air is not sufficient to control the humidity? I'm not going to say we've never had humidity problems, but once the systems are up and running, you know, you tend to have those problems initially, maybe, and where they get um, typically move-in day, you know, or the extended move-in day when you have in a conditioned building, you have doors and uh, open for extended period of time, and oftentimes these buildings get turned over, um, you know, maybe in, during the cooling season, it takes a little while to wring out that moisture. So that's something to be concerned about and, and kind of keep, but when properly, you know, once we're past that, we really haven't had those humidity issues. Once it's, you know, up and running uh, and being operated properly, um, you, you nailed the key is properly size the ventilation system you know, so that you're dehumidifying that incoming outdoor air. And that's really the goal of the DOAS is to size it just for the ventilation air needed. Thank you. You're welcome. Else? Diana? You're muted, Diana. Thanks. Dom, when you were discussing the radiance lab, it seemed as if that might be an optional thing, but I think I would highly encourage us to make encourage us to consider making that the basis of design for all of like regardless of the the other systems um i think that we need that in apparatus space and and beyond as you all just as the chief um described yeah that could that could certainly be included why i say it's a supplemental system is um and it probably won't you know when you're running it it's really not it's kind of your baseline um, and will allow us to reduce, uh, depending upon the system, the you know fan coils, whether they're refrigerant based or hot water based in that apparatus bay. Um, but 
Well, I, I, I know some people who have just designed the radiant heating and called it a day and not have those other systems and they have regretted it and had to add them back. Because when you think of how a fire station works, you're on call, could be a cold day, zero degrees, you've got the you know apparatus bay doors open, you know, with radiant heating systems aren't quick acting. They take a while. So it's great to have them both, the radiant heating system and then an overhead system that's going to be able to deal with that quick, you know, heat loss uh, to heat that back up. With the radiant system, you're going to be waiting, you know, many hours to get back to temperature if you had the doors open for an extended period of time in, on a cold day. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, certainly... And that and that's what I would recommend too. We're at the schematic design phase. This is an important stage to set the budget. So I think those type of systems should be included and then potentially down the line, you know, talk about value engineering, you know, and I'm not saying that they should be, but you know, I'd say put it in at the schematic design level. I would agree, Diana. So Thanks. Diana, were you suggesting that the radiant be considered for other? portions of the building, not just the apparatus space? Um, I think it could be, but I think it needs to be, absolutely needs to be an apparatus space. Okay. You know, I think that the rest of it is more of a cost thing. I think what I was fundamentally trying to say is let's not consider the radiant slab in the apparatus space as a value engineering item from the get-go. It should not be on that list. As a fire chief, I can tell you, I've spent many hours on apparatus bays, and they are freezing cold. I don't care how you heat them, but I've also been in ones that are radiant. I shouldn't say that, but I've, if, as long as they're heated above. But I've been in ones with radiant floor, and you're out there for hours, either working on trucks or whatever, much more comfortable uh, for those that are out there. Yeah. All right. All right. I guess that concludes that part of the presentation, unless anybody has anything to add. Great. Thanks, Dom. You can hang out or, or go home. <laughs> okay, I will go home, but I will certainly follow up with Sean and uh, thank you all. Thanks, Dom. Right. Just one, one quick thing, Don. If, um, if there's a way that this presentation and anything else that we see for the first time during a meeting could be uh, later emailed out to the committee, I think that it would be helpful for our uh, reference. Mitch, I can do that tomorrow. Uh, we can, or uh, Mark can do that tomorrow. Uh, we have Fantastic. that copy. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. everyone. Thank Night, you. Dom. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen again. Um, and uh, going to go on. Let's see. Can you see it? Uh, we still have the. Uh... Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm shifting it ahead, but it doesn't want to move. There it goes. Okay. Um, so the next thing we're going to talk about is concept development. And I, I really want to emphasize this is the first time we put anything in front of anybody. It's really, really early on development, but we do want to show it. So I'm going to show you some plans and do some descriptions. And then Mark is going to jump in and he's going to um, show we are studying both this in, in plan and in massing right now so that uh, we can uh, understand how the forms are working together. So um, so this is the, we have two options. Um, and this is um, uh, option one and level one. And I the, the 
words on the left are, are highlights. Uh, it has a six bay apparatus uh, area. It has um, all the operations. I'm going to get a little laser print uh, pointer here, uh, which are all these bases here. Um, and then the operations support spaces are focused on firefighter safety and training opportun opportunities. And we're talking about all the kind of spaces in here. There are, uh, we call them saddlebag spaces on this side, less dependent on safety, um, more spaces that are required, but not so much on the um, firefighter safety. And then we have our administrative areas located to the, the, the west of the operations area. Um, per the um, town directive, all entries must face West Main Street or the main entry fleece. And, and we're trying to, in this scheme, we're showing that closer to the um, uh, to the street. We have a big apron here um, in front of the building so the trucks can exit the building and sit on the apron, uh, not hanging over the, the uh, street lines. And then there's, um, this is the training room, EOC community use space located also at the entry. What, um, was almost talking about about mechanical systems so you know he was talking about this area that you know encompasses this piece right here for um perhaps a separate mechanical space and then of course um in our designs everything what we want to have the most opportunity for natural um daylight as possible in um every space um I'm going to go to the second floor and then we're going to blow up a little bit of the spaces and we can go back and look at anything and you can ask questions anytime you want. So um, I'm going to show you what the second floor looks like at that. The apparatus, of course, has nothing above it. Um, it is a space that is uh, about uh, 22 and a half to 23 feet above the ground floor to the underside of the deck. And uh, there's a clear clear space above the trucks and plus all the mechanical structural spaces above that. The, um, the firefighters living quarters are located on the uh, south and west portions of the site, um, looking at the into the uh, into the trees or the hillside more. Um, there's a, a focus on making sure there's um, access uh, when they're in any of these spaces to getting to um, being able to respond to the dorm uh, the alarms and there is a fire pool located here for instance and, and locations of the stairs and again all living spaces have, a, have opportunities for natural light so that is um, that is the first kind of scheme I'm going to show you um, what that what I meant by firefighter safety opportunities so there's we've talked about these um, hot to cold zones there's a hot zone the transition zone and the cold zone when you're in the apparatus space after you've responded uh, and contaminated um, uh, equipment or uh, personnel uh, uh, their uh, gear they would come into a singular entry point in the decontamination and there would be certain uh, equipment and things that are located there from there they could move into a laundry space and from there they would go into an area that had the showers so that they can get rid of their gear get rid of their clothes um, and clean themselves and they would be restricted to this zone right here and then they could exit out into um, into the administration areas of the fire department living quarters or whatever so um, that is a, um, a zone that is what is considered a transition zone um, not every call has the same requirements there's obviously like a um, from the gear storage when they come in during the day and they're assigned to a truck they come in and get their gear place it by the trucks um, so there's more than one door into a space like this but this is um, this is how this layout works conceptually um, so so we're we're very focused on that. It's really important. Um, 
you know, to to control the movement of contaminants as they move from the apparatus into the rest of the building. Um, I also want to also point out that already we are taking that scheme and, and looking at um, how to improve it. Um, so there are opportunities um, to get stair locations that are closer to the fire pole. Not every fireman wants to use a fire pole. And we've been told, we don't know this is true, that the older the firemen get, the less they want to use the fire poles, but we don't know that's true. So we're already looking at that so that when you come down the stair, you're you're having a direct shot into um, into the uh, into the apparatus space. Um, so we're, we're already looking at that. And that is the process of design that you begin the work, you lay stuff out and then you um, and then you see how it works. What we would be proposing, especially with this um, change schedule, we would be meeting with um, the chief, the deputy, the captain, Brillhart, and, and um, looking at these plans, laying those plans in front of them and drawing up with them to, to get their feedback on how these relationships work. Because it's all about getting the firefighters um, safely into the building and um, in the quickest they can to be able to respond to a fire. The fire department has already started looking at the layout of the vehicles and have um, commented on how they want those um, spaces to be laid out. Right now, they, are, um, they have openings at the back and the front of the building. There, there may be reasons um, if they want some of these spaces closer that, you know, potentially you could close off one or two of those bays. We've done that. But right now the plan is to have uh, movement out the front and the back so that they can face vehicles um, front, facing the front or facing the rear. Uh, they have all their frontline um, major vehicles uh, located right here. Does anybody have any Quick comments or questions um, about layout, what they're seeing. Um, I know that was pretty quick, but um, I, I actually can uh, blow this up a little bit so you can actually see this a little bit more. Um, oh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the um, the other plan, which is this plan, and uh, and show it. Um, John. So you can see yes, that. So Janet, what's yes. the expected setback from the street? So um, we we the building, and I'm looking at the, the right side. And certainly, it protrudes more to the street than you've got an apron for the for the apparatus space. Right. So we're expected? looking, and Mark, you can jump in. What that number is right now? We've been looking at um, about 50 feet. Is that pretty close to what we were? So the apron, with? the apron itself is uh, about 65 feet from oh, the street. Oh, 65 now. Okay. Yep, and then the uh, and this this option the uh, face of the building is about um, I'd say twenty five feet from the property line. So uh, the, uh, my understanding is that I think we have a fifteen foot setback. Typically, we just tried to pull the front of the building up a little bit further to be more in line with uh, um, you know the adjacent property and the the west side. Um, I, I think that's a part of the design consideration to bring the buildings up more towards the street, at least the front door towards the street. So that's right. what we're attempting to do here with this plan. And we may and be able to we may be able to move it for more a little bit more forward. We we'd want to yeah. go over that with the chief about what they'd like to see for the apron. Um, so and your driveway is you know coming around the back so it's it's roll and roll out. Yes, there there are um, movements all around. And Mark's going to show you some um, some of the massing, which shows some of the grades, which is important to you, for you to see. So um, we'll show that. Um, um, John, John, the intent is not to use the bays as drive-through bays, but to yeah. actually have 
uh, trucks in the back facing out back, trucks in the front facing out, facing out. Okay, the right. ability right. to get trucks in and out that way. Right. right. I'm thinking in terms of response time. Certainly, your your, your more urgent equipment would be street facing. Right. That's all right. the stuff in the front. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yep. That's the layout we have currently have, and of course, you know, we'll be talking more to the chief and about you know, if, if he's comfortable with all this, but that is the plan right now is to go out the back or out the front. So Janet, the setbacks in downtown business, it's minimum of six feet, maximum of 20. So mm -hmm. if the, the right side of the building is beyond 20 feet, you will need a special permit. Okay. Just to let you know. Okay, Mark, and we had it at 25. That's good to know. I, I, I'll bring it up a little bit further for this yep. option. Yeah. But we don't want to compromise the functioning of the fire station because of a setback requirement. Right. Well, Never. yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, we'll but, but we do it, we do in a study what that will do to the plan. I mean, if we're, yeah. if we're trying to stay within uh, zoning guidelines. Great. The next the next option has a very different plan. So that'll be uh, an interesting one to work with, but we will have to wait to see that. So um, anyone else have a question about something? Okay, um, I'm going to one, one question yes. for the chief. Yeah, the dimensions of the apparatus bay and, and considering that equipment's gotten bigger and bulkier over the years, it, you expect that this will give you some future proof capabilities as you know, you get bulkier uh, engines or, or eventually replace the power ladder. Yeah, so some of the things that are currently in the apparatus bay are some of the um, uh, trailers that we have that we that were that are purchased they're they're older they're they're going to be approaching end of life eventually and we may right. not you know replace those with the same type of vehicle which would give right. us more okay all right yeah wait we have oh, of that but i just thought i'd ask the question no that's a fair question yeah okay. there, we are showing just so you know um the folding doors um on this fast acting folding doors which um are great. They they move quickly. They um, function well. They just are a little deeper into the space than an overhead door is. Um, so that's what these um, little lines represent. Just so everybody understands that. And you know they they you know we have to make those work as well um, on the on the structure. So okay, uh, I'm going to let Mark share. I'm going to stop sharing. Let Mark share for a little bit, um, and so that he can show you what this may. Now, I, again, I caution you, this is just conceptual. We're working in plan and uh, massing at the same time. So Mark, take it sure. away. Just so you all know, I told Janet today she needed to treat this like this was a fire drill. So <laughs> when we're doing fire training, we say on the radio, this is the drill, this is the drill, and then we do it, say, this is a drill. Said so you need to do the same thing with, this is conceptual, <laughs> this is conceptual, here it is, this is conceptual. So very yeah. important. It is important. We Thank haven't you. read everywhere, so okay. uh, yeah. So uh, this is uh, the first option, um, uh, option one building. Um, uh, we were exploring uh, pitch roofs, uh, 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 mirroring like a two, two equal sized uh, um, pitched roofs with a front face, the, the front entry pushed out a little bit further um, and a hose tower, training tower uh, in the middle. Um, balancing the two forms. Um, this is a view from the Dunkin' Donuts across the street on off of, on uh, West Main Street. Um, I'm going to go to another view. Um, this is uh, heading 
towards downtown uh, along uh, Route 20 West Main Street, um, looking back at the training area um, and the dorms. Um, you can see you can see yep. the hillside. I want yeah the, the, the hill the hill it it extends yeah. above well above the building. I mean you can tell that it's it's there's a lot more trees back there. I might I, we don't see the trees. I, you can see it in the uh, the aerial uh, terrain, um, but yeah, you would see a lot more uh, trees behind. Um, this is the uh, this is looking uh, west along West Main Street. Um, you can tell it's kind of the uh, pushing this out hugs the apparatus bay, um, and then um, I'm going to go with this the second up back back to this view. Um, the second option we're looking at is uh, flat roofs over the apparatus bay with uh, monitors. Um, these have north facing uh, windows, uh, and the south side is sloped away uh, for possibility of putting solar panels on top. Um, so this is a little bit, uh, I, the, in terms of structure, I think this, uh, Janet, correct me if I'm wrong, this is probably a little bit more affordable. In, in this is definitely more affordable. Than, than doing a pitched roof over the top of the uh, apparatus bay. Um, but we would still, you know, and maintain, um, you know, some character in the uh, admin um, staff area um, to, to the, uh, the side. And Mark, that, is, yep. that pitch is at 45 foot feet, which is the zoning height right now. Yeah, the zoning height, my understanding, um, um, correct me if I'm wrong, if others who know, my understanding is 45 feet in downtown business district, or is that, is that, uh, is that I correct? I believe that's correct. Tom, does that sound right? We'll, we could check. Okay, well, yeah, we'll so, check. Yeah. yeah, so we'll, we will double check. So, so we, uh, these pitches, at least for this option, this is this maxes out uh, below 45 feet. Um, if we were to pitch the other way, uh, um, the long way, if you turn around this way, pitch the other way, um, maintaining a typical, uh, uh, um, like a, a, for, for example, a six to 12 pitch on the, 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 the far end, uh, we would be at 50 feet, eight to 12, you'd be at 60 feet because it's 100 foot long and, you know, 12 to 12 would be like overall height of 75 feet. Um, so uh, we're trying to keep the uh, the pitches, um, you know, in smaller areas to reduce the overall height is the goal. Um, we'll go back to option one B. This is looking looking from um, heading to downtown. This is a very similar view to last time, um, and then from uh, heading west on. Uh, West Main, the flat roof. Um, Janet, do you want me to, to go over yeah. the Why the don't hill? you do the, just go over the bird's eye on the same one. And yeah, with so, so you can see what we're so looking at. So you can tell, and... yeah, you can see that the, the hill uh, slopes pretty aggressively. Um, citing the building, since this is the, this corner over here is the flattest part of the site, um, we felt that this, I, I think that this is the most appropriate location for the, the building. Um, it allows us to keep uh, the amount of uh, cut in the hill to a minimum. Um, parking would be off uh, to the side. Um, I'm, I'm getting my, my That's west. directions mixed because yeah. this this yeah. is north. Um, yeah. This is this is the the west side of the site. Yep. Yes. Um, and but uh, we for the uh, the apparatus space, if we're pulling out, we need an additional. 
um, distance between the back of the building and the hill, which would require um, either retaining wall or some, um, you know, aggressive cutting into the hill um, at this backboard. We were, we were like up pretty high. You can see back here already, um, we're, we're, we're encroaching on the second level of the, the building, um, just, just with the natural hill grade. I mean, the, the, these, the, the, these lines represent the actual grade from the survey. On the site. Mark, a question yes. in, in this rendering, is the expectation that egress from the rear of the building goes uh, towards the west side to the right side of the diagram here? Uh, the, yes, so the egress would come out the, directly at the back and you would either you could either go this way out the site to the um, to the east or to the west. Oh, you could. Okay. Yep. Thank you. We have a pretty significant amount of parking to a copy accommodated right. um, on the site. So, you know, we're going to have to make wrap parking in significant areas. I think the study had 20 less parking spaces than than we've been asked. And I think, um, I think Mitch, you even asked for more if we could get them on. So um, I don't know how many we're going to get it now, but it does, you know, we're going to have to deal with that grade to get the fire trucks out the back. Um, so, you know, we're going to make it work for multiple things, not to mention all the office space at the back of the first floor. So, yeah. Okay. So Janet, okay. I have uh, a question. Yep, sure. Yeah. It, am I correct in saying that option two is going to get more consistent light into the apparatus space? Like, it seems like there's a lot more natural light that will come in with that option. Oh, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, we just did a building with... Um, with some of those, uh, uh, light, that kind of light on the, the apparatus space is beautiful light inside, honestly, you know, um, they don't have to have their lights on <laughs> almost, you know, all day, it's so bright in there, but it is an opportunity um, to do it. So, I mean, the, the idea of this one is to marry the two, the two pieces um, and, and through architecture, um, materiality and things like that, um, and, and respect the, any of those volumes with the big pitches is volume that's not going to be used. I mean, there's yeah. nothing to put up there. So I was when you were talking about radiant, Diana, I was thinking, oh yeah, because you don't want to heat all that air. I mean, you know, you're you're that's what you're doing. So we've done we've done quite a few pitch roofs and um and fire stations for good reason for the, you know, uh and uh what we've used for them primarily is um training um you know repelling training things like that out of those high gables but there's not mm -hmm. a whole lot of program space because you just can't build over to the fire trucks easily you're already up uh you know that 23 feet or something so there's not much you can put up there so yeah as okay. i mean as design moves along it'd be great to see the sort of interior views yeah, of I mean, those these spaces are just, between the two options yeah. yeah just getting started on just we're you know cognizant yeah. of the you know the the concern of the community and the and the volumes and the forms and trying to make yep. sure that when we're putting the plans together we're not ignore, ignoring those two things coming together so That's all right challenge so one yeah. more question when yeah. when you do have a skylight configura configuration like that how does that work with the plan event systems do they just kind of pass beneath them pass, and you just pass but potentially beneath it you know it um I'll get you some pictures of one that we put in, Diana, to let you see yeah. it. Yeah, because it, um, you know, the um, it depends on how you lay out what, what you're trying to do. This is a south-north air orientation, which is great. You know, for getting yeah. light, you could you could say let's put the glazing on the north side to get that kind of that kind of light, or you know, the south gets a more a stronger light at different times. Um, 
but we can, you know, make sure it, it may be, you may be needing less than that. You may not need all that. You might need a lot smaller ones to get the kind of light you in, in inside. So we'll study that and we'll locate where the uh, palm event, which runs usually between, um, primarily between the tracks, not over top them so much. So, we'll, you know, we'll work that out. So, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Mark, is that all for one? That is all for one. Okay, so, so like, if you would stop sharing yep. and I will share again. Um, so, uh, okay, so, all right, so that was one. And you know what um, we were just talking about was where those um, monitors could be, you know, over top these vehicles um, to get light um, uh, over the spaces. So, and, uh, oh, let me escape, escape out of this because it's won't let me advance. Oh, there I go. Okay. Um, and so we talked about that. Did anybody have any question about this um, uh, firefighter sports spaces at all? I mean, does everybody understand the concept of that? Um, just, just in case, uh, I'll bring that up. But it's pretty, really very important. Um, and I think the firefighters will want to make sure we get that as correct as we can possibly get it. This is the second option. Um, it's very similar. Um, in fact, you know, almost exactly the same here. Um, the difference is in this one is we were looking to um, to push pu to push this part of the building further into site and make uh, this piece of the building a, a sort of a one-story attachment. Um, you might want more height in that train um, that training room than you do in the regular office space on the on the left side of it. You know, any, over here, and we were looking at a different ways. You know. Um, to mass the building and how that might work. So we were looking at that, but it has, um, it, it is right further to the side. So if we have to bring it up to 25 feet, that's obviously not going to work. So we definitely have to go for the variance for this game, but um, it, it definitely has its merits. Um, and um, that, so that's, that's one of the big things. They all have that real emphasis on getting, you know, natural light into all the office spaces um, and uh, making sure that the way the public uses the space is appropriate as well, how they're met and, and greeted, um, how you get out of these um, spaces. And the second floor for that is a little different, of course, you know, the spaces are further back. And again, um, you know, you can see these, these loop corridors that allow um, all these dorm rooms to quickly get to a stair or get to the um, the training pool to, I mean, the, the uh, um, pool to get out and down into the apparatus floor. So that's the, the one-story space there. Um, I think, um, Mark, I'll let you, so if you don't have any initial questions, I think it's really, this one is all about form and what the building might look like. So I'm going to stop sharing and let Mark do the same routine with um, what this is starting to mass. And we're not quite as far with, you know, we're working on the massing. Um, so um, again, concept development, Chief. Um, so, yeah. So this one's a, it's a bit of a mix between um, option 1A and option 1B. Um, so we have a, the form here, you know, a, a form here, um, a pitch roof, pitch roof, a flat roof in the middle, um, where we could explore some monitors. Uh, I hadn't gotten far enough to see what this would look like with just all flat roofs, um, but uh, this is uh, hot off the press, so to speak. Um, so a uh, similar um, view from Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, go to this view um, heading 
um, is he heading east towards downtown. Um, you can see, I mean, I think this would be hidden behind, there's a, a, some retail buildings um, mm -hmm. in the foreground to the right here. Uh, this might be hidden a little bit behind it as you're approaching this direction. Um, I'm not sure if this is a bad thing or not. Um, it could be a good thing. Um, but, uh, there's more visibility. I think uh, the from the apparatus bay as as the fire the the engines are leaving um, the apron, um, uh, having more visibility onto the street may may or may not be beneficial. I'm not sure. Um, Always beneficial. Yeah. So so that's 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 the consideration behind this. Uh, um, pulling the the entry back a little bit so that there's a little bit more um, you can see a little bit more leaving the the the, the, the station. Um, this is looking west and um, look at the bird's eye view. Um, very similar uh, um, dorm rooms back here. Um, uh, the this is the the meeting room pushed off uh, off to the side here as a higher space. Um, it's very very early. Uh, um, a little bit of an entry, so push out a little bit, so you can tell where the entry into the the public entry into the fire state uh, fire station is. Mark, with all those uh, angles and the joints coming together, do you, do you find that there's that's greater potential for leaks in those areas? If you there yes. are there is, yes, this is more 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 things. Uh, the more uh, um, uh, hips valleys uh, is, is more opportunity to board, yeah. yeah. It is yeah. more, more uh, um, you know, we have to be very careful about uh, how it's detailed and and make, and how it's built. Okay. I see you have a hayloft for the horses. I appreciate yep. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely, you know, there's problems at all buildings. You know, it's, um, you can design every rooftop roof and you detail it well, and then someone builds it. And so therein <laughs> lies the, the difference. Um, and if you get a really good builder, you know, all buildings, I always say that all buildings need to be maintained. You don't build them and then, you know, wipe, you know, walk away from them for, you know, 20, 30 years. They need to be cared for um, uh, to, to, to work well. So, you know, that's a big thing. We put pitch roofs and flat roof buildings on you know, all kinds of buildings. Um, we even have Mark, um, you know, you, he even has, I don't know if you have that little images of all the, the little sketches you've been working on. Um, oh, yeah, again. sure. I've been, I've been, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not the up. only ones we just kind of picked through and said, let's, let's, you know, show the all pitch, the yeah, combinations. I mean, I've, I've been, doing, yeah. these are several different things. I mean, we're, we're studying, um, you know, where to put uh, if we're putting living quarters up above the APRSB, which I think we abandoned pretty early. Um, yeah, this, I mean, like, this is really basic forms back here. I started exploring, you know, all flat roof, you know, what, this, what the, the plans were showing us in terms of the form. And um, so, so, yeah, this is, so that's, that's just where we're at right now. Um, there's yeah. still a lot of work to be done. This is going to keep going. Right, everything from the doors and you, know, you, you put the fourfold doors, you can then make simulate an, an arch door. They look beautiful that way with the red doors and a, a lintel above. But I mean, it, you can't see that in this. You, that, that's way down the road. Yeah, this is just yes. massing. These are just yeah, massing yeah. studies, you know. Uh, John, did you have a question? I thought I Yes, heard. Janet, is the expectation with these two concepts that the, the square footed? I'm sorry, you, 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 we lost, I lost hearing you. Could you say that again? 
is the is the expectation that the square footage of both of these two options would be comparable or different? Yes. Oh, they it, would be comparable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they are comparable. I, I think um, I'm about uh, a thousand square feet off between the two. Okay. Maybe yeah. a little bit less. Maybe 800 square feet. It's they're very yeah. close. Yeah, we found that when we um, pitched the roof and we had to kind of split the building a little bit to get some of that um, pitching to work, that the building grew a little bit. So we we've been Mark and I've been talking a lot about that. You know, the um, the smaller bay, this the one with other the flat or the what other piece, um, that's the minimum it has to be. So in order to get those two different pitches to come into each other, one of them got a little bigger. So the square footage has increased a little bit. So we're we're really trying to watch that that creep, um, yeah, that little scope creep and uh, tight, tighten it up as we go. Part of that will happen when we meet with the chief and the deputy and, and cap, the captain and all the folks. And we can look at these spaces and dig into them a little bit more, make sure that they're not overly large so that we can stay within our you know, proje projected square footage. But um, you know, that's, that's part of the process of design. And um, so um, so what are, what are people thinking about the two options? What are they but if you and I can put them back up, you know, um, we can talk about the people like any of the directions we're going, nothing, uh, you know, what are people thinking? So I have a, que a question um, that applies really to, to both. I wanted to see both. Um, is there a specific rationale behind putting the two-story portion of the building to the west um, for the topography of the site or anything else was that was just where they landed no i think it's a topography of the site we you know we'll confirm it with our traffic people when um when they're you know working on the traffic study but i the, the that part of the site is just naturally flat right now i think it's been well it's been developed over time to be flat um and it looks logical to us we've been talking about that should we flip the building you know should we do and right now um we think it's it's in the right spot so that's our initial thought, um, and, and we'll certainly talk to people about it and our engineers. Our, we found I, we had a project once where we were sure that the apparatus was going to be on the left side and the, you know, whatever. And by the time we were finished with the traffic study and the soil probes and the hill analysis, it had been flipped um, for good reason. And um, so, you know, we we'll, we listen to our engineers um, as soon as we get, you know, some concept that we feel is close. Um, I'll be talking to the civil because we'll want to get the geotechnical started as soon as we land the building. Building. So we, we get an approximate location, then we're going to get that study going, and that'll do some informing. I believe the traffic is supposedly ongoing right now. I don't know where they are. I, have, I forgot to call them today. I apologize. Um, so that may um, yield some things. Because if it shows that we need preemption, lights, who knows what's going to happen. So we'll want to want to do that. But I think we're in the right spot right now. Okay. The, re the reason I ask, and I, I keep bringing it up, the, the parking it is so secondary or tertiary relative to function of the building. Our town common is two lots over um, mm -hmm. to the east from this. Um, I would love to provide some parking for the town common. That's a little bit easier if it's if the parking lot is on the east, east side. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But but I, you know, as I said, the primary purpose of this is to build a great fire station. Right. Okay. We'll 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 make note of that because um, you know, we have we do have a, a, a line of parking on the left side of the building, on the east side, and a double right okay. now on the right side. Oh, okay. But that is the public parking, not on the left. The yeah. left would be devoted for the fire department. Gotcha. Um, so we'd be 
rethinking that and we can maybe move the building we we don't know yet we we um mm -hmm. we'll, but we get the point of it the parking closer on east if we can okay we'll we'll see what happens yeah it looks like a big site but once you put a, a scale of a building like this on it and you um you start you know getting drive lanes and and parking and building you know it it does um it does heat up the site pretty quickly um so um uh, excuse me madam chair um i think what is and i'm not looking for answers i'm just throwing it on the table but what is the committee's focus and the community's focus or expectations on maximizing solar um solar energy on the building with the fact that i think it's a benefit that the rear of the building focuses faces south which is the solar side um so i I just think people might start asking that, and if if they are, and is that something that the committee wants to maximize, then that you know that'll take part in the the, the design of the building as well. Are you talking about PV arrays? Is that what you're when you're saying solar? You're yeah, PV. PV. I wanted to say so. I was going to say PV, but I, I I guess with the company that I'm in, I guess PV. For the audience at home, I use solar. Okay. But okay. Yeah, photovoltaic. Yeah, but also take, you know, panels. Uh, the flat roof buildings work quite well with PV. The pitch roof buildings can be aligned to work. They can be, you know, they can space it on angles. There's a lot more that you can done. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we put a lot of PV arrays on buildings, right? You know, we put down a lot of them, especially ones that have gone um, net zero. And we've relied on geothermal and the PV um, has been a big part of that. So um, I, I I love to hear from the committee what they're thinking for that one. I think PV is a great idea if you can make it work. The FA school that recently was built in Westboro has a combination of uh, natural lighting with the monitors facing north and the south side are PV system. Mm -hmm. And they also have geothermal. So if you want to see a building of. And where was that? Which one was that, Tom? It's called the FA school on Eli Whitney Street in Westboro. Okay. Yeah. But it was $554 a square foot three years ago. <laughs> so. Wow. That sounds like a long time ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, we just did a we just did a fire station that has monitors, it has geothermal, it has PV, it has green roofs, you know, we you know, a bit of a, a variety. It doesn't have enough PV to run the whole building, the site isn't large enough, but um, I'm also doing a renovation of a building that has geothermal and about 120 little solar panels on a roof that's only a 5,000 square foot footprint. It's in like a canopy. So we're doing them as often as we can um, when, when, a, when a town or a city or a community expects it and asks for it, so. Um, Janet, don't forget, we're gonna have to site a generator on this site as well. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to make oh, sure. Yeah. That I voiced that I didn't see, you know, because oh, yeah, yeah, no, we can't have no power. That's not a good thing in a fire station. Yeah, um, I, you know, Dom mentioned the generators. Some are somewhat bigger with the electric systems, um, mm -hmm. but they're the size of a, a school bus to begin with. So, you know, I don't know how much bigger they're going to be, but um, and so we we'll have to talk to them and what the source of of, of those are. You yep. know, um, so okay. anyone else? Hey. Well, so the building massing, I. I appreciate your exploration of the traditional forms, but the these current models seem a little too busy, and I would like to see it simplified and stronger forms. Okay. 
it could be a mixture of gable or flat roof, but uh, they're getting a little fussy, especially on the west side where you have double shed dormers and gables and towers and yep that would be my I, suggestion yeah yeah we're 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 just starting <laughs> just starting yep yep so um, okay. so so does anybody have any um any thoughts on the on the plans you know pulling pieces out getting the straighter front pop, popping that entry forward any comments on that one well, you know, we one of the things we want on the apparatus. So line of sight is critical when 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 we're when we're pulling out of that station. Uh, you're going to need a preemption system there. I think no matter what. Yeah, I, think that, I, think. I think that's a given. When we're when we're pulling out of that station, line of sight is critical for safety. One of the other things we want to make sure is that 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 apron is large enough that we can pull trucks in without having to pull out into the traffic to back into the bays. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Because a, a lot of these stations you'll go by and they, they loop up onto the onto the apron, but then have to pull out in the middle of the traffic and then back up. We don't want that to happen. So it's really critical for us that it's sighted in such a way that we can swing up there with our trucks and then swing around and back in. Yeah, I think that's why we have the 61-foot yeah, bay right now. Um, we'll. We'll we'll do some turning. We'll get the engineers to do some turning radiuses for those um, swings, um, so we can model them. To keep, to keep the firefighter parking separate from the public parking, and, and the reason why is we still do run callback, right? So we have firefighters coming back in off duty for a building fire. I don't want them to have to be competing for spots or looking for things that the public is using the other side of the room for, so uh, the side of the lot for. So we just okay. need to be careful with that. Yeah, and I don't know where we stand with parking yet, but if we we, we may have a, more parking in the back that will be dedicated oh, yeah. to the fire department. So we'll we'll have to figure that one out too. So that's, a, a, you know, we got to get some plan before we can um, start carving up the site. So um, anybody else about the, the two buildings, the two general diagrams so far? Anything else? Concerns? Quiet. I think they look great and you should advance both of them and keep exploring all of the different reforms. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Um, for the meeting schedule discussion. Pardon me? That takes us to the meeting schedule discussion, unless you have anything oh, else. No, no, I don't have anything. I was just going to say, um, that, we were going to just say next steps is about schedule. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Madam Chair, a question for, for Janet. Um, the exercise you did with the public last week with those the six various uh, sets of questions, um, you'll produce some sort of uh, output oh, from that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Something like that, I presume? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just okay. have been focused on trying to get this meeting okay. um, done, okay. up and yep. running. and uh, But we'll record, as I said the night, we'll record every single comment and we'll... Um, We'll have a number, you know, percentages of how many answer one, two, three, or four, you know, sort of things. So yeah, we will do that. Okay. Yeah, jump in with the schedule. Yeah. Thank you, Madam Chair. So what we agreed to at the last meeting was this meeting. We also agreed to the uh, a presentation on eleven six at the select board meeting. Now I just want to clarify who is going to be there, the extent of the presentation, etc. 
Uh, Mitch, what are you looking for? Um, I, I think, a, you know, a general refresh as to how we got here and where we are. So um, the, board? the select board is, is mostly a new board relative to, you know, five, four or five years ago, the last time that this was discussed townwide, I think, a, you know, a, a brief discussion as to what, what's the ju justification for a fire station. I think this is also beneficial to the public. Um, I think it would be helpful to, um, you know, to, to, to show the, even just one of the layouts thus far, because they're, they're still very early. If you want to show both, that's fine. And um, it doesn't even have to be the 3D run, the 3D model of the, just, you know, this is kind of where, where we are very, very early on, provide the opportunity for the board to provide um, some feedback. I think it's also important that the board um, meet the key people involved in this. So I, I think it's- well, that, that leads it, me to the next question. Mitch, yeah. is that, do we need the whole board there or, I mean, excuse me, this committee or do we need just uh, reps from HKT, reps from ROPM from Colliers, myself, maybe the chair, uh, the deputy. I mean, I don't know who you- yeah, I think I think it's good. It, it probably I, I would leave it optional for any committee member if if anybody wanted to to join in. I don't have any problem at that meeting bringing folks in, um, but I don't think it need you, the, this committee will not be making any decisions or doing any real deliberations. So what we'll do is when, when I'll have uh, I'll have the link sent out to everybody on this committee who we need there. Todd, we'll need someone from Colliers. We need. Janet, either you and Amy or Mark or Harvey, you guys want to do that. I'll be there. Uh, if the chair can be there, that would be great. And Scott can be there. We can give the history, how we got here. And uh, Mitch, you could give the darn history because you 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 I said was, in I was there, building. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> right? So wow. we'll, 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 we'll kind of discuss that. And then uh, we can have HKT and uh, Colliers do a little little, little presentation yeah. that work. Yeah. And, uh, and the schedule, um, you know, go, going through what we're talking about now for town meeting and ballot and eventually construction and completion as to what that looks like at this stage is also important. Um, people will ask, what's this gonna cost? And it, you're not, we're not ready yet, but anticipate that question or proactively um, say that it's too early to answer that question. So then uh, the next uh, meeting that we have for this uh, team is two days later on 11-8. And that would be a Zoom uh, meeting. Is uh, Todd and and Janet? Amy Liad said she left. What would? What's the agenda on that next meeting? Um, on the eighth. So on the eighth, we had you know really um, we wanted to we're going to be just keep working on the plans and the elevations. What we'd like to do is um, get out to your out meet with you guys as soon as possible to start looking at those plans in more detail um, and so that our next meeting would show um, you know some preference perhaps at that point or you know some and certainly development of the maybe still two, pretty much probably still two plans and more development of the elevations now the, the reason I'm a little bit hesitant on this uh, chief right now is only because with this extension where we're trying to re 
jigger the schedule so we have a little bit more time to design work. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We have all these meetings, 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 and there's little time to prepare and, and actually do physical work. Do so it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe we move it to the 15th. So the 15th um, was our community input meeting. We can move. Well, yeah. So we, I do you mind if we, um, talk about this and get back to everybody so that we have an opportunity to like because we want to put all those design review community input sessions and all that into a bigger schedule okay. um do we lose todd still here oh there's todd um uh, you just moved on my screen up into a new location um and 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 kind of get a new schedule and then put it out to the committee is is that okay with folks i mean we're we're we can do it and and, and make the schedule that's what we've committed to but we it, the, the little bit more time we have the better you know, the better we have um, get to do work. So um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Neil, did you have something to say? I thought I saw you. Um, uh, earlier, just when you were talking about the presentation with the select board, um, coming from the outside and walking into not seeing the original design and then what that created, um, I think we steer away from any exterior images and just focus on a floor plan idea to get a concept just so that that doesn't run again because again we're very very early in what it will actually look like i think outside. if you show any modeling uh, that could very well happen again yeah i agree with you okay i could i could see the advantage of that then maybe um you make make a statement that uh you're you're a different design firm than um who did the original feasibility and the designs that you're looking at are not at all based on what was just, you know, what was shown in 2019. So if we don't do the meeting on the 8th, we change the 15th to our regular committee meeting. And then at that meeting or sometime between now and then, uh, we can figure out the next date for the next community input because I, I do get questions. I've gotten several questions from people. The press has reached out to me. When's the next community input meeting? I just right. want to be able to give them uh, good data. Right. Yeah, I think we'll um, we'll need we'll do, take a couple of stabs at it and okay. get a couple ideas and talk to Todd and he'll give his input. Uh, we have a lot more meetings potentially based on our conversation today to, to throw into this meeting yep, yep. Um, that we didn't um, and no one. In, well, when we discussed it early, we didn't anticipate. Yep. So we want to sort of get an overall schedule, but obviously a little bit more time to develop the plans and do more massing elevations and or you know more elevations, massing and elevation work, which you know we'll put in windows and, and things like that would benefit your your decision process. You'll get more information to see. So, um, so is everybody okay with? We'll do eleven six for the obviously for the select board meeting. Our next committee meeting will be 1115 and then we'll from that point we'll schedule forward. Does that work for everybody? Yeah. At the 15th, yep. that'd be Zoom or in person. Uh, 15th will be now we've been doing Zoom. I don't I love meeting in person. I much prefer in person, but uh, it's 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 not my that's not my call. Well, I prefer in person. How does everyone else feel? It may be able, it may be easier for us to see the plans up on the big screen if we were, for instance, at the library. I mean, I think, you know, it's, and because, you know, Janet has to zoom in kind of to, to show us things. And if we can, yeah, I mean, I like the virtual yeah. meetings, but I think. Well, I'm more than happy. I'll reach out to Jen tomorrow if that works for everybody, if an in-person meeting on the 15th works. 
I probably will not make the 15th because cross your fingers, we'll be interviewing candidates for uh, oh, right. that I remember night, that. I but, but that's, I'm just one person. So, so go ahead with that. And, um, you know, the only request I'd make for any in-person meeting, not just for me, but for the public is make sure cable is there to record it. Yeah, that's, that, 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 that's a given. So what we do is right. uh, you can see Lorraine's here with us. Lorraine's doing all the minutes. She is also doing our agendas and she makes sure when she sends it out, it goes to cable. It goes to everybody who needs to go. Fantastic. Uh, and between now and the 15th, you also, you'll contact me and we'll set up a meeting with uh, the deputy and the captain. And we oh, yeah. I want that to be next week. <laughs> just, just reach out to us and let us know. Me, me personally, I'm I'm, I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. I'm going to a family wedding in D.C., but um, Mark and Amy will be working and we'll we'll discuss. And um, but I want to get out there as soon as possible because we want we want Mark's, you know, our time to be focused on making sure we got the plans right. If it doesn't work for operations, we got it wrong. You know, we we shouldn't bother. Um, and then, you know, then we'll you know, once we have a plan that we're kind of liking, whether it's one of these two or a, it, it'll look probably very different than both of them. We'll have pieces of both, um, positive pieces of both. Um, and then um, we'll go from there. So, okay. Excellent. That's right. great. So we'll okay. plan on the 15th. All righty. Great. And she will get the I'll take care of it. Place. I'll coordinate it. Okay. Okay. Good all right. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate all your um, comments. You they were very helpful. Okay. Have business that legally can come before the committee. Okay, motion to adjourn. Madam Chair, motion to adjourn. I'll second. Yeah, good. Dan seconded. Uh, Dan? Aye. Chief? Yeah, aye. Aye. Um, John? Aye. Diana? Aye. Mitch? Aye. And Tom? No, I, I want to keep going. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll make you in charge and I'll leave and you can keep going. I agree. Okay, thanks, well, guys. Thank you. Okay, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank, Thank you. you.